0: Hi and welcome to the Mindful Shape podcast. I'm Paula Parker and I'm a life coach specializing in weight loss. So I'm all about figuring out how we can optimize what we know about how our brain works to achieve our natural weight, the weight that we feel like is right for us and also get out of all the mind drama that we have around food. So one area that really interests me is neuroscience, and so I went really into the weeds on this one. I know it's taken me a little while to get it out, also had some technical difficulties with a new computer, Um, but we are getting there. (laughs) All right, so for this episode, I'm going to summarize the hours and hours of research that I did and learning about neurobiology for you. In the context of weight loss, so I know that for me, when I understand what's happening in my brain and my body, it not only helps me do what I need to do in a practical sense, but it also really takes away any kind of shame and guilt that uh, is around my body or around overeating. So we're going to nerd out a little today, but I've simplified it down so that by the end of the episode, you'll understand these things. One is what dopamine does and why it's important to know about why you should even care how to harness dopamine for weight loss, the neuroscience basis for embracing the journey. I know we've all heard that a million times, right? Embrace the journey. But what does neuroscience uh, say about this? And then also finally, the neuroscience behind being in a rut. So, so often we can feel like we're in a funk or we're in a rut. And I'm going to talk about how we can really use what we know about neuroscience to um, just explore why this happens and also how to get out of it. I'm going to be referencing the work of some very smart people whom you may want to check out yourself. Both are Stanford professors. So one is Dr. Andrew Huberman, and the other is the author of Dopamine Nation, which I've been listening to on Audible. And her name is Dr. Anna Lemke. So I'll link to both of them in the show notes. So in case you want to go into more depth on their research, then I will provide that for you. Okay. So let's talk about dopamine. Dopamine is not only responsible for how you feel right now in this moment, as you listen to me, but also how you're going to feel in an hour from now. You're probably familiar with the idea of dopamine hits. That's what I always thought of. Like you get a dopamine hit from things like the pleasure you get from a lick of ice cream or something like that. But what I've come to realize is that understanding is actually a very narrow view of dopamine. And after listening to this episode, I think you'll really appreciate knowing the full story. Plus, you know, side benefit, you'll be fully equipped to oppress your partner tonight at dinner, (laughs) going over the neuroscience. (laughs) So here we go. Dopamine is a neuromodulator, which means it's coordinating neuron activity. It determines which circuits in your brain will be active and which will be inactive. So it's very powerful because it has this broad effect, which is why it can affect both our energy and even our confidence in whether we think we can achieve something or not. For example, adrenaline and dopamine often work together. This is that broad effect that I'm talking about. So adrenaline or epinephrine, it's also called, is responsible for energy and dopamine colors the subjective experience of an activity. So for example, adrenaline without any context is perceived as fear, but adrenaline with dopamine is excitement. Many years ago, I went to an amusement park in Ontario called Wonderland, and I went on a ride that was mimicking an elevator in free fall. Now, think of how terrifying this experience is without the context, the safety of knowing it's only a ride. It's the same physical experience of the body, but ultimate terror without the dopamine that's providing the context, right? This is so important to know when it comes to our thought work, because of course we get to provide the context, right? So in a sense, we are in charge of how much dopamine we get out of our experience. And this is how we can really harness dopamine. But I'll talk more about that a little bit later, and I'll even give you really specific ways that you can start optimizing your dopamine system. But first, I want to explore more about what it is and how it works. So dopamine is often associated with pleasure, but it's more accurate to think of it as drive. Your dopamine system is the primary determinant of your levels of motivation, desire, and your willingness to push through difficulty. So critical when it comes to your weight loss, right? All animals, including humans (laughs) have the same system and it's responsible for drive for the desire to consume anything. So it makes us look outside of ourselves and pursue things outside of ourselves. So if you've ever found yourself with energy to go to the store at 9 PM and get snacks or even bake cookies, it was driven by dopamine. Or if you've ever had one cookie and then wanted another right after, that's dopamine too. Same thing goes for your willingness to achieve and go after your weight loss goals. Dopamine will help you create a healthy food plan for the week and sign up for that meditation class. So no motivation equals a low dopamine state and lots of motivation equals a high dopamine state. So you might be wondering now, is dopamine a good thing and I want more, or is it a bad thing if, I'm, if it's getting me to get off the couch and make cookies at nine o'clock on a Tuesday night? <laughs> the answer is more nuanced than that. So dopamine feels good. When our brain is flooded with dopamine or when it's released even a little bit, we feel a pleasurable sensation. So on the one hand, we do want to ensure that we have it but there's a downside to too much dopamine. Dopamine is something you don't want too high or too low for too long. It's all about staying in a dynamic range and that's because of the pleasure pain balance. So let's talk about how this works because it's so, so interesting and really relevant to overeating and snacking. Then I'll share how we can actively manage this system. So let's talk about the pleasure-pain balance. I want you to picture one of those balance scales. They're also known as scales of justice. You'll see them in like crime shows, like in the lawyer's office or something. They have that stand in the middle and two scales or plates on either side. So I want you to think of it as this is your dopamine balance scale. And on the one side is pleasure and on the other side is pain pleasure and pain are co-located in the brain, which means that the same parts of the brain that process pleasure also process pain and they work together like a balance scale. So imagine this balance scale is at rest, meaning it's parallel with the earth. Let's say that is baseline. That's where it's level, where it's perfectly balanced, and this is where it wants to be at all times. Now, remember that term baseline, because I'm going to be referencing that later on. So your baseline is where your dopamine levels are set, and that can change. It is also related to genetics. So if you can think of someone who's always just been really motivated and has a ton of energy all the time, it's likely that their dopamine baseline is set higher than average. Really interesting, right? But this is also something that we can change and I'm gonna talk about how to do that. So when we do something pleasurable or rewarding, like eating a cookie or even finishing a work project, we put pressure on the side of pleasure. And when we do something painful, like stubborn toe, there's pressure on the side of pain, As you can imagine, when we put pressure on one side of this balance, it goes down and the other side goes up in equal measure. The dopamine system in our brain works the exact same way. So the brain will work very hard to restore balance because our bodies like homeostasis. So when you eat a cookie, have a glass of wine, I want you to imagine you're piling those things on your dopamine scale on the pleasure side, and that releases dopamine. Then your brain restores balance, and it does this by putting pressure on the pain side in an equal and opposite amount. And this can happen very quickly. That's that moment of wanting just one more cookie, another glass of wine, just one more episode of, you know, like some crazy reality show. (laughs) I confess that I just watched Too Hot to Handle, so don't pretend that you weren't tempted to watch it, or maybe, (laughs) maybe some of you are watching it, okay? So that's the idea. In that moment, your brain is pressing hard to the pain side in order to even things out. And there's a strong urge to alleviate that discomfort with instant pleasure by simply watching another episode or having another cookie, right? Instant pleasure. This is the neuroscience of urges. It's not that you lack willpower. It's that your brain is functioning normally. Your brain is trying to balance out its dopamine levels again. This is where allowing your urges comes in. If we wait a little bit, even 10 minutes, that intense discomfort, that urgent desire and longing will go away and our dopamine balance will naturally be restored. The balance scales go back to being balanced again. And we want that to happen because when it's balanced, it's more sensitive to small amounts of pain and pleasure. So think of it like this. When it's balanced, those natural pleasures like reading a good novel, petting your dog or having a bath all feel really pleasurable. It only requires a little pressure to get a release of dopamine and feel good. When we don't wait and allow that urge, when we go for another cookie, another glass of wine, or another episode, we make ourselves less sensitive to dopamine. So think of it this way. The pleasure side is getting heavier with another cookie. And so the pain side of that balance scale is getting heavier too. And as it gets heavier it requires a longer time to rebalance, meaning you're in pain for longer. And with repeated exposure to the stimuli, in this case, like another episode or a cookie, sugar, flour, something like that, we actually downregulate our dopamine receptors, meaning what once gave us pleasure no longer does, and we need more and more. We need more and more on that pleasure side to get that scale to move from the pain side and go up. And now it takes longer and longer for us to wait for that balance to get restored. So it's really hard to experience pleasure when you're not eating the sweets now. Without more and more, we experience all the pain, right? This is the withdrawal and it can include insomnia and just feelings of like funkiness, like dysphoria, right? All around the river of misery. We're even worse off than we were before we ate that very first cookie. It's really important to know that the extent to which the pain side of the scale drops is proportional to how high it peaked. So that's why things that really spike our dopamine, like sugar and flour, cause us to want more and more. It's big on the pleasure, then big on pain. This is also true in other areas of our life. I got married about five years ago now in Tofino. And on Vancouver Island, and we had a really small wedding. It's immediate family only. This was pre COVID, but it just suited our personalities to have something quiet and really intimate. And maybe you can think back to the days following your wedding if you got married. Did your mood drop? Were you a little down? Maybe had a little less energy? I suspect that that's why honeymoons were created. I don't know exactly, <laughs> but. After a big event or a big emotional high, you'll inevitably experience a low. Now you know why this is happening, right? It's completely due to a drop in dopamine. Your dopamine system, that balance scale is leveling out. And some of us experience that drop more quickly and more dramatically, but everyone experiences that drop. So this is natural and normal. Imagine if you were getting married every weekend How many weddings would you have until you experienced zero dopamine from this experience? Probably not many. Our brains aren't designed to keep doing the same peaked pleasurable experiences over and over again. So imagine you're eating sugar every day and that pleasure side of the scale is getting super heavy. Then you remove the sugar completely immediately that pain side will slam down because the pain side is equally as heavy. And if you don't continue to have more sugar, you'll hang out on that super heavy pain side for some time. Not fun, but if you wait long enough, the scale lightens up and your dopamine balances out. It's hard because we think that we're turning to food because it relieves the stress, the anxiety, the boredom, but the truth is that we've bombarded the dopamine reward pathway and it's causing even more stress depression, and anxiety when we continue to engage in those things, right? So interesting, because I know for me, that's my inclination. When I'm not very motivated, when I'm feeling low and I have low dopamine, my inclination is to want to rectify the situation by doing things that will give me more dopamine, right? Like going on social media or over watching TV or having sugar flour types of things, right? But the result is actually that you get worse off. So when we don't understand how this works, we keep thinking that it's the food or it's going on social media or all of these things that's going to bring us pleasure. And there's actually a narrowing of rewards, meaning that baseline becomes less sensitive and we derive less pleasure from our lives. We become more focused on whatever it is that's peaking our dopamine. So like for an example, let's just say food. We become more focused on food, deriving our only pleasure from it. But as we know, eventually the food doesn't even provide that much pleasure because our dopamine receptors are so downregulated. And that's when we can get really bummed out. Now, I know for some of you, you can really relate to this place. And if that's you, know that it's totally fixable. Nothing has gone wrong and it's not about you or that you're damaged or that you don't have willpower or that you don't have what it takes to reach your naturally thin body. You totally do when you get this reward pathway recalibrated. But let's just say you're not quite there. Let's just say that an average week for you is that you eat mostly balanced, healthy meals with a few dopamine-rich meals throughout the week, meaning foods that have a high reward for you personally. For some of you, it's going to be ice cream. For some of you, it's pizza. And then on the weekend, maybe you're making pancakes or muffins and having a couple of glasses of wine. Let's say you also spend time cuddling with your partner watching the latest, you know, season of your favorite show, maybe it's Ozark, (laughs) we just finished that and it was so good. (laughs) And you exercise a few times a week, maybe you're on social media. So you're checking Instagram throughout the day and you shop online occasionally. This doesn't seem so bad, right? Seems like a pretty balanced lifestyle overall. But when you start looking at it in terms of dopamine, there's a lot of movement on that balance scale there's a lot of impact on that pleasure side and in turn the pain side and ever so slightly that pain side has gotten heavier and heavier until you're not really getting pleasure out of your life anymore. You just feel like you're going through the motions. You're in a rut, right? What we tend to do is look for even more pleasure to pull us out of that rut, like I talked about before, right? But that only weighs down this pain-pleasure balance scale more. And what we need to do is lighten it up by taking a break from the rewards. (laughs) So you might be interested in what increases dopamine, okay? So let's talk about that now. There's a couple of ways I want to talk about. One is chemically. So things like chocolate. Chocolate increases your baseline level one and a half times, and then it goes away after a few minutes. Just to give you an example of like how to put that in context, cocaine increases your dopamine two and a half times. So it's kind of interesting, right? I actually thought it'd be way more than chocolate, but chocolate is one and a half times. And then the other one I wanted to mention in terms of a chemical impact with dopamine is caffeine. So caffeine increases only a little. However, regularly ingesting caffeine increases your dopamine uptake. So it makes you experience more of dopamine's effects. So that's really interesting, right? So it means that anything that you're doing with a cup of coffee, you're actually going to be experiencing more pleasure than you would otherwise. So I am a big fan of coffee. (laughs) As long as it feels good for you, um, totally go for it. And then there's also the subjective response to dopamine. And a good example of that is exercise. So the amount of dopamine that you get from exercise really depends on the subjective experience of it. So if you really enjoy what you're doing in terms of your exercise or movement, it can increase your dopamine levels by two times as much. But if you don't enjoy what you're doing, there's zero dopamine that you're getting from it. This is important because it means that we can get more dopamine from something by just changing the subjective experience. And how we can do that is by talking about it, by journaling about it, and by showing appreciation for it. And by it, I just mean anything in your life that you want to enhance, right? That you want to get more pleasure out of. So you can't force enjoyment of something, but you can enhance it. So you might be thinking this is kind of a cruel joke from an evolutionary perspective, right? Every time I experience pleasure, I must also experience pain. Why is this the case? So I thought this was really interesting. Dopamine helps us seek substances and pleasure for our survival. So you can imagine in hunter-gatherer days, you get up, you look around, and you notice there's no food. You need to generate energy to get the food. You need to cultivate that desire. Otherwise, you're just going to sit there and die of starvation, right? So dopamine, the desire, and adrenaline, the energy, kicks in. So you go out, you find food, and then your dopamine peaks. And if it stayed there, if it didn't balance out, you wouldn't ever forage again. So that's why we have these highs and lows. But is there a way for us to experience these peaks without the dopamine withdrawal, without all that pain? (laughs) If dopamine is responsible for desire and drive, how do we stay motivated and keep our dopamine levels stable and healthy, right? Like how do we maintain our dopamine levels in that dynamic range that I talked about? So let's talk about how to keep this dopamine balance scale level while enjoying life and feeling pleasure. So remember the pleasure pain balance is governed by dopamine pain, including cravings and urges is coming from lack of dopamine that follows the peak. So we want to avoid or limit intense peaks from things like sugar, flour, and alcohol. And we want to allow time to naturally rebalance our dopamine levels after we do experience a peak whether it's from a cookie or even something healthy like a great run. We want to get out of the habit of constantly trying to change our state when we feel a natural low. And I think for many of us, that's going to be the key takeaway from this whole talk. If you only remember one thing, it's just to know that the best way you can manage your dopamine is to not try to change that low state with immediate pleasure, right? Immediately trying to spike your dopamine because it will naturally recalibrate on its own. So if you are interested in resetting your dopamine balance, what the recommendation is, is to stay away from whatever it is that you know for you really peaks your dopamine. So maybe it's checking your phone or checking social media um, or it's like sugar, flour, alcohol, anything like that. And if you really are committed to resetting that dopamine balance, you want to abstain from whatever that is for 30 days. So one month. So that is resetting that balance scale. Now, the first two weeks are going to be the hardest, but that's the obvious one. Now, that might be your first step, but let's talk about how we can manage our dopamine system to optimize how motivated we feel, okay? So let's say you... Do that, you decide, okay, there's this one thing that I'm going to spend 30 days not doing to recalibrate. Then there's another thing that you can do called intermittent release of dopamine. So, what do I mean by that? What it is, is we don't want to expect or chase high levels of dopamine in everything we do, even healthy activities that produce dopamine. What's really interesting is we are more motivated. When we don't always get the pleasure we expected, this is why it's more exciting when you're first dating someone and you don't always know if and when they're going to text you back. And that's why that whole playing hard to get thing is a thing. So interestingly, I never put this together before, but I was told by our dog trainer that dog training is actually more effective when you don't give them a treat every time, right? You But you instead give it to them most of the time we are all animals. Our brains work the same way. So if there's something that you're trying to stay motivated at, I want you to be creative and think about um, how you can do this thing called intermittent reward scheduling. So it's when dopamine sometimes arrives, sometimes doesn't, and sometimes does, but in moderate forms. So think of it in terms of high dopamine, low dopamine, and moderate dopamine. And we can create this purposely. So for example, let's say you're a runner and you want to stay motivated to run for the entire year. You have some sort of race you want to do or just a goal or you just want to be a runner. Okay, So you can purposely modulate your dopamine response by controlling dopamine enhancing activities associated with running. So to peak your dopamine and pleasure from your run, you can play your favorite music, put on your favorite running clothes, run in the nicest weather. So just know that by doing this, you are increasing the number of conditions required for you to achieve pleasure from this activity again. So what you can do is the next day you'll want to run without some, or all of those conditions so that your brain will be rewarded only by the act of running itself and will have moderate dopamine levels. If you don't do this, you'll eventually not get any pleasure from your runs and you'll lose motivation. It's like your brain becomes tolerant to running. So a peak shouldn't occur too often and dopamine needs to be varied. So there's no schedule to this. It's important to remember that it needs to be random or intermittent for activities that you want to do over time. So remember that you want to have peak pleasure, tip that dopamine sometimes, but more often than not maintain the balance. So if for this running example, you could even flip a coin to decide whether you're going to have a peak dopamine experience and listen to music and when you won't. This is good news for those of you who are getting on the scale every day, right? When it goes up, I suspect that's low dopamine state. If it stays the same, perhaps moderate and goes down, you get a dopamine release. Kind of interesting way of seeing that number in the scale. If you don't get in your own way by telling yourself that it's not working, you're never going to get there. You might as well quit. If you don't do that, you're being motivated to continue weighing yourself. And we know that if you're weighing yourself every day, you're more likely to see that number improve than not, which brings me to my last and most important point about how we can use what we've learned about dopamine to reach our weight loss goals. I know you've heard it a million times, focus on the journey, not the destination, But if you've been as resistant to that concept as me, (laughs) you really need to hear the neurobiological case for doing this. It has really shifted things for me personally when thinking about my goals. What you may be doing now is attaching your peak pleasure experience to your goal weight number. This looks like waiting until you reach a certain number before you will be happy. Then and only then you will get a dopamine hit and feel good about yourself but just know that when you do that, you are making the journey so much harder than it needs to be because of how dopamine relates to our perception of time. When we hold out on experiencing the reward until our goal weight is accomplished, we start to disassociate the reward circuits that normally would have been active during the activity or during our efforts, like our efforts of being on our protocol. However, you can evoke a dopamine release from the effort when you've learned to remind yourself that your effort matters. So if you say, I'm just going to push and push and push and push through this hard time until I get to my goal weight, you're actually making it more painful along the way and making yourself less efficient at it because if you were able to access that dopamine throughout the process, you'd be increasing the amount of activation energy in your body and in your mind, in your ability to focus. So I'm sure you've heard of growth mindset. This involves learning to access rewards from doing, from the effort. So the key is to attach the friction and effort to an internally generated reward system. The wanting, the craving of your pursuit is a form of pleasure itself. So what you're thinking and feeling about yourself and what you're doing For example, it really requires awareness at first during tough moments. You can say to yourself, yes, this is very painful. And because it's very painful, it will increase my dopamine later and my ability to access dopamine from my life. This pain is raising my dopamine baseline. In that moment, you are doing the hard thing by choice. That low level or even high level of agitation of getting what you want is actually good because it connects you to activation energy, adrenaline. And another thing that goes wrong when we focus only on that end number, on that end result, is called the dopamine reward prediction error. You expect something to be really great, and it doesn't turn out to be that great. Your dopamine baseline actually lowers. Now you are starting from a lower place and are less motivated overall. So if you've ever booked a vacation and had all this pent up anticipation and excitement, and then the day comes, And you have to pack and you have to get the kids stuff organized and get to the airport and then the flight is delayed and then it's five hours on the airplane and then you arrive at the hotel and you're exhausted and the kids are cranky and hungry and then you get in and there's like gross hairs in the sink. (laughs) This is dopamine reward prediction error. This can happen if you've been so focused on the end result, in this case the goal number, and you reach that number and then... You're sure you're excited for a couple of days, huge dopamine peak, but then guess what? That dopamine drops in equal measure. So you look around and you think, you know, what the heck? My life isn't really that amazing. <laughs> I don't feel good all the time. Like what's going wrong here? What has all this effort been for, right? All this suffering that I've endured, all this pain, then you might even start to gain the weight back, right? Cause it didn't meet your expectations and you feel even worse than you did before. So I'm not saying don't look forward to reaching your goals, but just know, keep in mind that it's not like you are going to get there and then all of your problems are going to go away, right? It's equally important to, uh, it's so hard to say, enjoy the journey, but try to find ways of increasing dopamine along the way by attaching it to your efforts on that journey, all right? Another way that we can manage dopamine is through deprivation. I know many of you don't like that word, (laughs) especially when it comes to food. However, we can get even more dopamine when we're really hungry because our perception of dopamine is heightened when we've been deprived. The longer you restrict from any activity, the greater the dopamine release because of the upregulation of dopamine. This is why limiting to two meals a day might actually work for you. It might also freak you out, but you might find it easier to not eat at all than to try not to overeat during your meal. And for some people, they attach dopamine to their fasting periods by how they're thinking about it and actually enjoy that time. They feel more focused. They have more energy. What they're doing is increasing the reward aspects of deprivation, So how can this be useful on our weight loss journey? There will likely be times when you feel hunger, for example, right? Or you feel tired and you just want to turn to food. So these are the times when you can feel deprived and you can think this is working, right? This is good for me. I'm going to use the fat stores on my body as fuel and everything is going well and I'm on my way, right? So that's one way of attaching dopamine and heightening your experience. And this is also why intentional thought work is so powerful. What you're telling yourself is literally shaping these reward circuits, the dopamine system in your brain. So now let's talk about some learning about how to regulate your dopamine system. So you can do an experiment. You can decide to actively refrain from following impulses that lead to a dopamine response like checking your phone and in doing this you're keeping these dopamine circuits tuned up so you can decide that um, you only check your phone or you only check your email every other hour of the day or things like that right or I know for me I'm kind of testing this out and one of the things that I notice is that I have this urge to always check our mailbox so every time I go inside of the house or outside of the house I have the urge to check the mailbox. And why? It's because that intermittent reward, right? Sometimes there's something in there. Most of the times there isn't, right? But I always have that urge. And I'm sure that when there's something in there, it really doesn't matter what it is. It's not even that exciting most of the times. I get a dopamine hit. So, what I'm practicing so that I can tune up my dopamine circuits is that I just notice that urge and I refrain from it, right? And I think of it in terms of, I'm tuning up my dopamine circuit. Another thing that you can do is avoid dopamine spikes that aren't associated with hard work or effort. So like your phone for the first hour of the day, because at night is when your brain has achieved all of its neuroplasticity. And so that first hour upon waking is when you receive the download of all of that hard work that your brain has been doing. If you immediately go to let pleasure on tap, right? Like checking your notifications or something, you don't benefit from the processing your brain did at night. And interestingly enough, especially emotional processing, which is done in the latter half of your sleep. All right. And then the last thing, and maybe the most relevant thing for our conversation is avoiding highly palatable foods. When we do this, it actually makes broccoli taste better (laughs) because remember your current level of dopamine is dependent on your previous level. So let's talk a little bit more about a few ideas of how you can increase your dopamine baseline. So one is cold exposure. So this is like cold water, like cold baths or cold showers. So this is really in right now. Lots of people are talking about it and let's talk about why it works. So It works because you get a huge initial increase in adrenaline, and then your dopamine gradually increases two and a half times throughout your day. So if you were on the fence about trying this out, you might want to do it and just see if you generally feel better throughout the day. And then the other thing which we definitely have to talk about is close social connections. So having close social connections stimulates our dopamine pathways, So that's why it's so important to cultivate those friendships, cultivate those relationships that you have in your life. And you can think of it, if nothing else, that it's stimulating those dopamine pathways and you feel better, right? We all know that we feel better after we talk to a good friend or even a coach or somebody that's on our side. Okay. That was a lot of information, but let's summarize. When you think of dopamine, Remember the pleasure pain balance scale, that little scale that's in the the crime show lawyer office. (laughs) When we put pleasure on one side of this balance, it goes down and the other side goes up in equal measure. The brain will work very hard to restore balance, which is why you feel that craving and drive to eat just one more, right? Just a little bit more, a little bit more. That's the pain kicking in after the dopamine spike. Whenever we have a really pleasurable experience, there's always a little letdown, a little less excitement. I want you to learn how to embrace that and wait for dopamine to rebalance. Don't try to get out of that discomfort right away. Repeated use of high rewards like sugar and flour leads to dopamine depletion because it lowers your dopamine baseline. So what's the solution? You need to recalibrate that dopamine balance by not pursuing dopamine peaks and instead get pleasure through discipline, motivation, and hard work. When we consistently get a small amount of dopamine from our efforts, our baseline stays high and we stay motivated. Without using your prefrontal cortex, which does the planning and the abstract thinking, the reward systems of our brain, like our dopamine system, will become the primary director of our choices and ultimately of our lives. So if there was ever a better case for coaching, (laughs) I haven't heard of it. So listen, if you've made it this far into the podcast, I know that you are into this stuff as much as I am and are definitely a good candidate for coaching to release your weight and get to that goal weight and as I've mentioned, I recently finished my maternity leave a couple of months ago. I still have a few openings for private coaching. So if you are at all curious, book a consultation with me just to see if coaching is something that you want. So you can go to mindfulshape.com to book directly into my calendar and we'll have a little chat. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. Bye.